Welcome to the Beth and Kelly Show, a weekly Facebook Live conversation between Beth Fortune and Kelly Klingen. That's me. And we've made it into a podcast. Beth Fortune currently serves as Education Director at Wintergrass, the National American String Teachers Association Board, and Chair of the National Council for Orchestral Education. I currently serve as Education Director at Jazz Ed the Washington president at Jazz Education Network and Jazz Curriculum Officer for Washington Music Educators Association. We have a platform and we really want to leverage it for positive change. Please hit us up. Let's have a conversation and uh, let's move our practice as music educators forward. All right, everybody. Welcome to the Beth and Kelly Show, episode nine yes we have with us ben hunter and maybe at some point joe siemens will join us but it's actually fantastic that it's just ben for a minute because i know because the most amazing how we got to meet yes we got to talk about roger waters right i mean like epitome of what like this is the one of the best examples of why you just say yes just say yes to people. This, is, this experience right here is basically the epitome of Beth and Kelly's show at its very pinnacle. Like, yeah, okay. I mean, come on. And it started with no Ben yeah, it started contacting with Beth. Beth. So Beth, you guys have to tell Absolutely no it. one. There is no one who has had this cool of an experience. I'm okay. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. So. It's redonk. It's redonk. It's over the top. So, and you say yes. You, you say, say yes. Ben, where were you working? Like, wh- why did you have this opportunity that you needed filled? No one knows what we're talking about yet. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, so uh, I, I'm trying to remember if I was working for the organization still or if I had quit. But... Um, I played in a band called XOXO back in my early days. And, like and Kiss the, Hug, Kiss Hug, X, like the letters? <laughs> Got it. Okay. It was it was spelled out. It was phonetic. E-X-O-H-X-O. I don't know if that's actually yeah. phonetic, but okay. it's it's something. And it's it was, like a, a, it was like an alternative <laughs> strings rock band. Um, it, was, it was pretty fun. And um, okay. the drummer, Johnny, Johnny, uh, worked for um, oh whatever that whatever that big old music firm is that does all the shows at like you STG. Know, um, maybe it was STG. Yeah, it probably is STG. Anyways, he got a hold of me because he knew that I worked with 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 youth and the kids, and he's like, hey, I need a I need a I need a group of kids to be the the singers for uh, Roger Waters when he comes into town. And I was like, okay, let's do it. Let's go. And, uh, and I called a bunch of places. I called schools, you know. I, all, we all were over. not the first call. That's we great. Not no. even the fifth call. <laughs> well, and I just, accept that. It's okay. Well, you know, admittedly, I, you know, I, I was new to the Seattle scene. Um, and I didn't really know what I, who was who yet. You know, no, I still had to be... Right. I didn't know. So, so I apologize. That was my fault. Uh, and, uh, but well, it all the other losers said that. no. So it's really annoying. Who says no? Who says no? Who says no to their students performing with Roger Waters? That's what I want to know. Who and says you can all be fired? Okay. Well, and it wasn't like what, what baffled me was like, you know, and this is like how I, I feel like I always approach like, trying to get folks to do something is like, listen, I'll do it. You just say yes. Yeah. And I'll come in and I'll do it. You just have to just, you just have to just say yes. Say yes. And, and take a step to the side. Anyway. Yeah. Um, so I call all these schools and people didn't respond. Nobody answered me back. I called, I wrote, I called, I wrote, I left messages. I wrote, I called. And, uh, <laughs> and then Beth, you answer. And and you were like, uh, yeah. <laughs> Hello. I, I feel like 
I feel like the call was surreal because I feel like as I'm trying to like remember exactly how it was. There, there might have been like a moment where you're like, I just want to make sure we're talking about the same thing or something. <laughs> we haven't met before, so let's just the make sure. Roger Waters, like we. <laughs> <laughs> Like, You're not talking about a like, cover band. Yeah. It was just like a, a, a moment of clarification just to make sure, which totally makes sense. Yeah. And then you're like, and then you're like, yeah, we can do it. In fact, we can do this, that, the other thing. Uh, how soon do you want to meet? It was like, it was like immediate, like, let's, let's get to Dude, work. we're all about that business. Okay. Yes. Let's all go. <laughs> and, and then it happened. And, and we, uh, we went. We went. I think he was performing at um, the Key Arena, yeah. and um, um, we had some. We had a bunch of kids out. come, and totally I think a couple parents out. showed up. Yep. Yeah. And um, my dad was a, our plus one. Yeah. 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 That's right. That's right. Yes. Um, and then there was. Um, and his noggin got buzzed by some pyrotechnics. <laughs> he was like, really? Whoa! My noggin got buzzed. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Whoa! <laughs> Awesome. That's awesome. But like Roger came up and like said hi to the kids and like autographed their stuff. Yes. And um, it was I super remember cool. There was, there was a uh, choreography video that we had to study and learn. And you came in, Ben, and, and uh, walked us through the dance portion. Yeah. There were some yeah. extra lunchtime meetings with me and the students to try and get the choreography though yeah. we don't need no there was like an offbeat clap yeah. thing yeah. and then like some pointing yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean okay those kids who got to perform on stage with roger waters they are gonna like think about that when they're 20 21 and they're gonna be like dude dude <laughs> dude it was, so yeah. it was awesome it was and awesome like all of our all of our students in that class in the we chose our senior ensembles like the most advanced yeah. class to for the opportunity and combined it was probably 160 kids so they were all presented with some learning about floyd and that all of that and then we asked i think we were really concerned about how we were going to pick 10 kids mm -hmm. and I think we had them like write, if they felt really passionately about doing it, I think we asked them to write a reflection or something. Yeah. Some and then we found out there were some kids who were like fully obsessed with the music already. So they obviously got to do it. And I think the rest we like drew out of a hat or something. Yeah, something. Yeah. Ooh, Joe is here. I'm going to let him in now that we've introduced how yeah. he came into our lives because like when um when you want to work with kelly beth comes too and if you <laughs> want to work with beth kelly comes too and you and joe are like that so yeah. even though the initial call was ben to beth yeah ben got wrapped in with all of our kids yeah and because ben was wrapped in with us then joe got wrapped in with us so this yeah. is like a very elegant here we go i'm gonna admit him i feel very powerful and we can clown on him for being late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that started the whole relationship. It was it pretty it was pretty cool. What an amazing way to make friends with somebody like hello. Yeah. It was pretty and we neat. We were like we're not letting Ben go, so Ben We obviously need to hold on to this guy. Yeah. I think you like I think you like offered me a job like at the end of the concert yeah. as kids were we going did. away. We You're did. like, "Hey, do you want a job?" And I was like, yeah. Turns out I, I just quit a job. Yeah. <laughs> That's how we do things. Yeah. You have to trust your spidey sense as a teacher. Ben is laughing so hard because you are tardy to the Beth and Kelly show. You are clearly eating into a microphone. <laughs> and I am holding all of the control here. I just muted I you. I swear to you, I'm not eating anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's all right. Um, but you've got a banjo on your knee. In your photo, at least. But also, and also, like, my video just doesn't want to show. I don't know why. I don't know why it must. Oh, there we go. Yay! Uh, hey! Hey! Happy birthday. You had a yeah. birthday Thank yesterday. You. 
Thank you. Yeah, it was it was a good day. Nice. Uh, Party tonight. Well, what we were just talking about is how we met Ben. And right. how when you meet Ben, then you automatically meet Joe. But I was saying that, like, as a teacher, you have to trust your spidey sense and, like, all go to gigs people in town and just sit at the bar and have a cocktail. And on the break, when people come over, if it's someone I don't know, you just talk yep. to them. And within 30 seconds, you know this is or is not someone that should be in front of my students. Right. <laughs> and if you don't trust that sense you have, it's it's not a great idea. Well, you're cruising for a bruising, as they used I wanna, to say. I want to like take off on that too, because I think a lot of teachers get hooked into this like idea that they need to go with like some commercial option or something like that for when they're bringing clinicians in or when they're bringing people from the outside in to work with their kids. You mean like the VIP Yamaha sponsored person kind of this a deal? kind of thing, or like um, we've talked about other individuals in past episodes. Um, but really honestly, Ben and Joe were members of our community. Right. And we brought them in and we didn't need to like look on the WMEA website to find it. And we didn't need to like uh, talk to colleagues or whatever. We were out and about hanging or whatever. And we, well, we were hanging in the pit at the base of the stage for the Roger Waters right, show. Right. So, right. That was cool. I mean, to me, that is like, that cements the deal, right? Right, that's it. Uh, but but these these two dudes are from our community and we brought them into our learning environment and they became part of the fabric of our learning environment for many years. The fam, man. Yeah. For a good long time. Plus you wouldn't have found us on the W M E A website right. anyway. <laughs> no. Well, you know, that's the thing. It's like for a host of reasons. Or like even like the Seattle Public Schools list of artists and stuff like that. It's just like gatekeeper organizations that keep people from having opportunities and keep kids from getting opportunities. Yeah. 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 Well, and gatekeeping is such a is such a uh, is such a huge problem across the board in so many different fields. Um, and, uh, and I feel like it's always the folks that are in the trenches that recognize how, um, how damaging it is, but it, it takes so, it takes so long to get out of the trenches to do anything about it. Um, I don't know. It's very circular how, how that whole thing works. Well, it's kind of like how it took five or six phone calls to find some group who wanted to perform with Roger friggin waters. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I still yeah. I will continue to be mystified by that dazzling detail that the first call didn't say yes. Or the, the second, or the third. Yes. Yeah. Like what does that say about music teachers? Not a whole lot of nice things. Not a whole lot. <laughs> yeah. That's not good. That's no boyne. Just sad. Uh, it is. It's a real bummer. But um, what Ben and Joe have got going on, I mean, we've watched the evolution of your teaching offerings to students. And we've watched uh, the evolution of the students. Yeah, because you brought your Rhapsody project in as a pilot, and our kids were the guinea pigs and you sort of learned what classroom management looks like and how that whole thing works. <laughs> While Beth and I sat in my office, like watching yeah. from my desk behind the computer, like, how's that going out there? <laughs> yeah, that, that shouldn't be called classroom management. There's something else about that. There was like 150 kids. It was crazy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I mean, it's crazy, but it's, we're crazy, so. <laughs> So, um, and your work has an evolved in some like pretty, is that a baby crying, Ben? Yeah. 
Yeah, there's a baby. I want to see that muffin. Um, yeah, babies are like on the Beth and Kelly show. It's okay. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, you guys have done like some Smithsonian stuff and some blues competitions and some tours and have gotten like, oh, look at you on brand. And uh, have like done a real deep dive into what you're offering students and what Beth and I are trying to do is um, amplify some voices of people doing really good work for kids that people might not know about. And in this digital time to try and get with some new folks in their learning environments and so that when we go back to in person someday, maybe we can change the landscape of our rigid classrooms so yes uh, having the two of you on is a slam dunk and i also feel like the newer work that you're doing with um with like student heritage can you talk mm -hmm. about that because i feel like that could be a really great way to start the digital school year yep it's is really to have cool. students digging into this heritage work the simplest thing for that would, is getting students to talk to their elders, right? It starts just at home, your grandparents and your parents, and just because a lot of people just don't talk about where they come from, or they think that there's some sort of shame in it, or there's they think that it's just not interesting or something. But it really starts with just, not just the people in your community, but the people in your family, and learning all the stories that you can about where where your grandparents came from, where your great-grandparents came from. That is that is the first thing you have students do is just go home and talk to your family and, and come home and share a piece of your heritage. That's assignment and one. Is right. Interview your family. Interview your family. And it and it may not be a song that's passed on your family. It might be a grandfather clock. It might be some some other heirloom. It might be a recipe. It could be any anything that reflects where you come from. So that's that's how that's kind of the first thing we give students. But I mean, the other piece of it was that Ben and I had our, we have a friend up in up in Canada, Jermaine, who he, he we met him at the Port Townsend Acoustic Blues Festival. And he shared with us this post by a friend of his who was pointing out that in 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 white America, people don't really think about their ethnicity or their heritage because their ancestors traded in their heritage for the benefits of whiteness um, in a lot of ways. Right. My, my great great grandparents stopped speaking French um, and they were French Canadian, right? Or they, they just they, they hid the fact that they were German or that they were Jewish. You know, like the, everybody has stories like that. If they if they dig, if, if they're if they're coming from that part of America, and so we we say that that black folks and that native folks have that they're they're always associated with you're African American, you're Native American, you're Asian American, and white folks are just automatically American, and that that's part of from where, where I'm, the pet perspective that I'm bringing is trying to break that down for my white students, and then and 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 like have them understand that they are they are not racialized in the same way, but they have to understand that they have a heritage that is very important to understand, because you have to have that grounding to act equitably, not just in music but in society. So that's one connection to to heritage, and I think Ben can speak to other pieces of it. Yeah, I think we should break this down even more for mm -hmm. folks, like how maybe this could help with um, <clears throat> like um, building community. Yeah. You know, as we start the school year and kids are online and, and how we can maybe uh, share about ourselves through our heritage and then how we can build off of that and why. Wow, I just dropped the computer. Nice. Well, I think... <laughs> I think uh, I think one of the you know especially especially in the in this new like digital <clears throat> platform that we're that we're going that we're going to necessarily have to get used to um, you know the, the heritage piece is important but there's also there's also an aspect or a component of that that I think is is the, is really overlooked and I think is 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 underscored um, more specifically now um, which is isolation mm -hmm. you know. Um, it's one thing to like um, think of of the action of like interviewing your family um, to get to get 
to get you know the, the the tidbits of information on your on your on your legacy and your history and your lineage yeah. um but but it also it also highlights the fact that fo- that that families don't talk to each other um as much you know because of and there's a there's a there's a there's a really interesting irony right now where where we are relying on 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 digital devices to connect us yet it is digital devices that are isolating us mm-hmm. um you know where kids are watching tv or on their phones on the facebook or the tiktok or the whatevers um and 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 they're not talking to their families they're not talking to to their siblings i just <laughs> Uh, the the cool thing I'm up in Port Townsend right now. The c- cool thing about it is is that they have a drive they have a drive-in movie yeah. theater. So we went to drive the drive-in last night, and uh, the movie was Bumblebee. I don't really care about watching Bumblebee that much. It ended up being okay, whatever. Yeah. But the thing that um, was pointed out to me is just like you know here's this here's this young girl who's like so isolated from her family because of whatever is happening that the that like she finds a friend in an extraterrestrial robot. Do you know what I'm saying? Like it takes this monumental, like extraterrestrial robot for her to find a friend. And so, you know, part of, I think what, what the Rhapsody program is about beyond just like beyond the the heritage piece or, or, or like embedded into the heritage piece is, is like, how do we create systems and opportunities for kids to be able to, um, to not feel so isolated? You know, we were, as we mentioned before, we were teaching like a 160 person classroom of kids. How yeah. easy is it to just fall into the background, you know, in situations like that? Um, and like, how is that even going to be even more present now that, now that those 160 kids are spread over a platform like this, where, you know, you can, you have to, like, I only have four, four people on my screen because I'm on a phone, but like, you can just, you can become immediately invisible. I wonder, have you, because you've been doing this heritage work with students for a while now, have you found that there are students um, who can't identify their heritage for whatever reason? And is there like trauma around that that we need to be really careful of? And how do we navigate that situation? Of course, depending on your family's history, you're, you're only able to trace your ancestry back to a certain point. Of course, those are important things for students to learn about, but also um, that's gotta be really tough, I would imagine. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it definitely, <clears throat> well, what, what I've come to with that is you do have to be sensitive that not everybody can trace their heritage back or, or they're adopted, or there's a lot of different situations that can arise. And so the thing to do is to understand that there are layers of heritage. There is a layer of your heritage that is your biological heritage. There's a layer that is your cultural surroundings, right? Mm-hmm. What, whatever, whatever household or kind of culture you're being raised in. Then there's the layer of the community outside your household. Then there's the layer of the things that you're drawn to that you absorb by years of study and like authentic involvement with communities you're drawn to. So, I mean, those are just some of them, but, but it's, you, students have to understand that it's not just like, where your body comes from or what your skin color looks like. Those are all, those all reflect aspects of your heritage, but they are only pieces of the pie. And so it's about embracing the layers, just like, just like embracing multiple identities, right? It connects the idea of intersectionality. That's really interesting. Yeah. Like um, my um, ex-husband's mother was from Holland. She was born and raised in Holland on a farm with 11 kids and when we would go back to Holland as a family, um, I was so struck by the fact that they could trace their entire lineage back to Holland. Like they were so Dutch and everyone was still Dutch and they were just Dutch. There really weren't layers. And then I was like, whoa, the only people I know like that are these Dutch people, it's actually so unique and worth celebrating that that's not the case where we live. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would be nervous um, as a classroom teacher who didn't know the two of you and trust in your process, I would be really nervous that like I'm not trained to deal with 
this level of emotion that could occur for students and like feeling like um like i was trying to be a therapist or something and not skilled to do that and i'm wondering um is there a language that you use to talk about these things what's been successful to present when you're asking students to look at their heritage is there a way we can present it so that um maybe this trauma doesn't bubble up as much let me just uh let me interject really quick um i have witnessed ben and joe um working kids through very very difficult times in their lives yes um and um i think this this is a kind of a another area where um the way these two um communicate with students and uh basically kind of take their hand and walk with them across this difficult time mm -hmm. or this difficult patch or whatever um those communication strategies seem to be extremely effective in empowering students to own whatever it is their story is um, and that's just been my observation yeah. over the years of watching you two work with my students. So maybe you could talk about those techniques of communication. The problem that I, is that it's all, it's all classical based. And so okay. classical based, classical based, um, like, like pe pedagogy is almost like devoid of, 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 uh, emotion in a mm -hmm. sense. I mean, like you, you, you want to be able to, you know, you want to talk about how, how beautiful like Dvorak's Unfinished Symphony is or, or, or the, the, you know, the tremendous sounds of Bella Bartok or, or whatever, you know, but it, it doesn't, it doesn't convey um, like personal feelings and like, and like, um, and like, and personal responses to situations. And so, you know, I think, I, I, you know, I, I, I think that Joe and I, over the years have had a lot of learning to do about how to talk to students and how to how to um how to reach them where they're at but i think one yeah. of the things that helped us a lot with that is that by teaching folk music by teaching music that is written um and and passed down and and reinterpreted and reimagined and reinvented to suit those people's times where they're at at that moment yeah. whether a song has you know come you know was first recorded in you know early 1900s but then it got re-recorded multiple times because people took it and readapted it and readopted it mm. um it becomes it becomes a way to um uh talk to kids and say like you know here is a song that meant this mm -hmm. um and maybe for you it means something else and it can and it can give you an outlet to be able to talk about that. Um, and so, you know, I think, I think as music teachers, you know, I think as, 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 as music as an instruction generally in schools should be more in line with an emotive response because it's not, it, 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 is, it is inherently a type of therapy. Mm -hmm. um, it, it, is an, it is a way for, for people to cope and deal and express and do all those sorts of things. And if we try and make it strictly a, like a, the a theory um notes on a page uh type of thing then right. you you like automatically relinquish any opportunity for for people to attach themselves to the real root of what music is meant to be in the first place and it also gives the kids Great hands to that for sure the kids get ownership mm -hmm. yeah when yeah. they're learning in this manner they're getting it, they're hearing it, they're processing it, and then they're putting it back out there in their own voice. And then they then have ownership of it. And it's like you give it to them. And you also, I've witnessed you over many years with numerous students, make sure that they uh, don't relinquish that ownership. Like, you're right. like, no, 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 it's you. I'm not the one here that's, you know, on stage or whatever you give the students the empowerment to to make that music or be the art maker or be the creator or be the voice or the storyteller um, and you don't take that um, spotlight from them even when they want to give it to you 
<laughs> right. And right. Ben, what you just described is why I feel so passionately about jazz being a vehicle for um, all teachers, you know, for concert bands and string orchestras to be mm -hmm. using because it's music um, that is supposed to evolve. It's designed to evolve. You are, it's better if you put yourself into it. Yeah. It is enhanced by your interpretation. And so any music that comes from that legacy um, of change is a really amazing way to get students to not only be more musical and to be lifelong music makers, but also to connect with their own emotions at that time. And or heritage, right? Right. But I just yeah, have to say, like, I could, I could name 10 kids, I'm not gonna name them, but I could name 10 kids that we've shared that together we've walked these kids through some of the hardest, craziest life stuff that we could ever think of it, think yeah. about. I mean, these kids have real, real things that they come to us with. And um, man, I swear, it, it's like very beneficial for them to have the coping skills in our coping in skills. real life coping skills communication skills um answers answers to who who i am who am i i am i am a composer or i am a a singer songwriter or i am an improviser an improvising violinist it's just yeah, yeah. I mean, these, yeah, kids, I, these kids are still bubbling with fire and amazingness, even if we aren't with them, you know, every day. I think I think to answer your question also I think it's just about it's about making the kids feel heard right so mm -hmm. much of it is just making sure that what they are going through someone is hearing what they're experiencing and why what they need to vent about mm -hmm. and then giving and then showing them that the music is another place where you can do that venting right like that's connected to what Kelly was saying right the music yeah. Yeah. is not an academic pursuit it is a it's an emotional outlet and if you're not using it for that, then you're not using all of the music. You're just, right. you're not fully participating and you're not fully you know, engaging in your instrument, whatever it might be. But it goes back to, you know, how we started off this, this, this episode with, with uh, teachers not wanting to respond to an opportunity to go and have their kids perform at a Roger Waters concert. Um, the fact is, I mean, I, the, the reason I started off by saying that Joe and I might have different answers or, or different backgrounds is because I was raised classically from the age of five mm -hmm. and I and I and I played classical violin in orchestras until until I graduated college um, yeah. and, and you know my mom luckily exposed me to a bunch of different styles of music globally growing up but like still like at the end of the day um, you know so much of my upbringing came from a classical perspective and when you know we went to the what the, the string teachers association conference years ago yeah. um you know i and, carted your guys down there to <laughs> i think it yeah. was atlanta or something i don't know <laughs> I, I forget where it was but it but it was um you louisville. Know, it, louisville oh that was louisville louisville it was louisville oh man there was some times had <laughs> there's some one. good moments there's some really good moments but it was telling you know that so much of you know um the conversations even though people wanted to like maybe like you know try and be bold and dabble. like and, yeah. and dabble yeah. in some <laughs> other stuff it still needed to fall within the rudiments of 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 a, of a classical uh perspective and yeah. i went to whitman college where like jazz credits weren't even con credited towards your major like you you could you take jazz classes but that you didn't they didn't they didn't do anything for your like, major yeah. And that's and that's stupid 
and it's and it's short sighted, and un- unfortunately, it's overwhelmingly yes, it's also part racist. of it's overwhelmingly part of yeah. music school around the the world. Yeah, um, if not certainly the country. Yeah. Well, um, you know, it just it points to the fact that these music organizations that basically their premise is um, on maintaining the um, Eurocentric school ensemble formation. Um, I'm not going to name any music education organizations, but all of their them. premise, their <laughs> premise is to uphold these Eurocentric ideas. And um, I'm just like here to say right now, I'm so a, over it, dude. A with the situation we're in right now with COVID, um, that's not possible. We cannot get together in an orchestra right now. Um, even places that are having kids come to school in person, yeah. it's like a one to 15 ratio at the most. I'm hearing most people say it's more like one to eight. It's a you chamber know? ensemble, y'all. Chamber, yeah. And it's like, first of all, we can't do that right now. So A, let's get rid of it for right now. But B, yeah. let's get let's get rid of it or um, think about ways to heavily supplement it for when we do go back. And this is that perfect moment for us to gain skills or courage or As whatever we need yeah. to get um, to get with a cool program, get community members into our classrooms, and get stuff happening. Like, we need to get with the program right now. Yeah. And um, with these music ed organizations, things like jazz, things like alternative strings, all these things, they are considered on the side. They yeah. are considered um, supplemental. Um, it is marketed to be, um, you know, if you have another, extra. if you have an extra ten minutes in your rehearsal, you could supplement with this <laughs> jazz exercise or this call and response exercise or something like that. It's so womp womp. It's so womp. yeah. It's just like it's got to stop. So uh, Ben liked that. <laughs> I have brought trombone sound effects into my speech and it's a part of Beth's speech. That's how it works. <laughs> um, okay, so let's say a teacher decides that this is genius, because it is, Cause and it they want to start the school year doing some heritage work with their students. So the first assignment is go talk to your people and figure out what your heritage is. What do they do next? Because I feel like that's the critical step. <laughs> we don't just one need of, kids to know where they came from. What do they do? One approach we've taken with it is to take a traditional song that that connects to the heritage of someone in the room and repurpose it in the way that traditional songs are always being reinvented um, and take the take snippets of the stories, images, whole stories, pieces of that were shared that students are comfortable sharing and synthesize them into an original song with them. And so that's, that's maybe more of a specialized uh, step that you, I mean, so that's, but I mean, they need to be shared once that, once they cap, once they're captured or documented in some way, then the students need to share them. And then the next step after sharing them. Can Ben and Joe, I want to know if you think this is bunk or not, because I just thought of it. Let's say you teach at a school that highly values um, project-based learning, and there are a lot of schools like that. We're talking high schools. Um, What if you had uh, little groups of students with some shared identity, whether or not it's their um, biological or their cultural identity, um, what if those groups were uh, partner like partnered up and put together a piece that drew upon, let's say, some historical German music 
and um, maybe some folk songs, maybe they wrote new lyrics, and that it was developed into sort of like a mini film song with photos, um, and that it was shared with the group, and maybe they're teaching the group about their, um, about German music, let's say. Do you see value in that? Because that sounds pretty dope to me. <laughs> yeah. Any, any, as long as it's clear that like this is one part of your identity, you know, like th right. th this is one layer of our identity, and there are many others, right? Mm -hmm. and, right. and it's not like we're trying to reflect all of your identities, but you all right. share some piece of German heritage, so let's do that, you know. Or, you I, know, I, could, I, of course. Go ahead, Ben. No, finish your thought. Go ahead. Oh, your thoughts finished. I just okay. you can replace German with any with any cultural background. Yeah. Well, and I think, I think um, now, you know, the world is, is, is shrinking. It's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. The value of, of German heritage is, is, um, is, comparatively as valuable as somebody's Ethiopian heritage um, in the sense that, you know, both cultures have a type of food, have a type of music or dance Traditional or, dress. or family routine or, or whatever. Um, so much so that, that, that the, the opportunities for similarities to discuss the two is so vast. That I think one of the strategies that we've found, um, especially in project-based curriculum, which you're talking about, yeah. is to highlight how there's overlap. And like, especially, especially as like mixed-race couples uh, and children are 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 becoming the 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 new the the global child. I mean, like sure. that rate of population is growing so much. I think it's really important to um, to accentuate the fact. That there are common, there are there are mutual commonalities between us, even that that, that supersede the um, um, the idea of 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 separating the two. And to to talk about that even more, one of the projects that we did do was a was a project with um, um, what grade school was it? I can't remember. John Muir, maybe. John, it was at John Muir. It was at John Muir Elementary School, and we did a series on immigration. Um, and, um, and students went to, uh, the Seattle Art Museum because, uh, the, 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 um, oh, bloody hell. The, <laughs> it's all right. You're forgiven. You've got an infant. Yeah, I got an infant. Um, <laughs> the, 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 the popular, um, um, series, African-American, um, immigration series or migration series, um, um, oh, I can't think of it right now. Anyways, right. they went to they went to Sam, um, looked at these historic paintings, um, and then came back and we led a conversation for two weeks, a project conversation about them, using music as a way to like let these kids talk about how these migratory stories happened within the United States with the black population, with the African American population, but how is that like relevant to today, and. And the, mig the migratory patterns and the mig migration stories of folks now, not just in the United States, but around the world. And it gave these kids an opportunity to not just like talk about the history, the, 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 the her their, their own heritage, but like learn a little bit more of the stories of like their parents um, or even themselves, because some of them were first generation or second generation or third generation um, immigrants. Um, and like and people also from Germany, people from Ethiopia. Yeah. Everybody could participate because everybody yeah. was an immigrant unless they were Native American or hundred percent Native. Yeah, right. And like even even in even in an, in an African American context where it wasn't migration necessarily that brought folks here, um, in certain in certain situations there was still opportunities to talk about um, housing, right, and how mm -hmm. folks can mi can migrate from like one neighborhood to the next, you know putting into context of Seattle and the central district and folks yeah. having to move farther and farther south. And so there was a lot of opportunity to, to make things relevant for kids 
um, and also make it inclusive of everybody in the room. I can't think of a better time to be integrating students' heritage into our music classrooms. It's incredibly relevant. And I can't think of a better way to build community with your group of students in this digital platform. I mean, who doesn't find joy in talking about themselves? Yeah. <laughs> right? And you know what? I, I, also, I also see that um, we need to recognize that when we're at home, and home is where we're learning, home is where we're going to school and all this stuff, sometimes our family are the only humans we get to be around. So we might as well connect with them right. and bring them into the circle. And I'd also like to um, even start involving families in this online platform. Like, why not have some family nights? and stuff like that absolutely yeah. um, um it was jacob it was jacob lawrence so yeah if, jacob, uh, lawrence, jacob, jacob lawrence. amazing yeah. i um see tremendous value in this way of um thinking about music with our students i think it's really a beautiful way to um to connect and i thought um it felt it feels important to share a little bit about uh, Bond of Vagos, which will probably be its own episode someday. Yeah, but, it, um, it, it probably will be. But um, like I, I am outwardly facing white lady, who on paper is Native American, um, but I'm the last. I'm the last amount of percentage to be counted on the tribal roll call. So I had to hook up with someone native and have a baby for my native, and I didn't. So my daughter is not on the tribal registry, but she's like Dutch and speaks Dutch and whatnot. But both of her parents have played in a Mexican band for 20 years. Neither of us have any Mexican heritage. So there's like layers for people where you can talk about okay, well, I identify with my Native American ancestors, but I was raised as a white girl in Seattle and my grandma yodeled because she's Swiss German. And now I play in this Mexican band. And so there are all of these layers of cultural importance that every single person has. And most people find it pretty fun and fascinating to talk about. And it's like a really active way to share and build community and commonalities mm -hmm. with people we might not know. And I think as we're entering into the digital first day of school, um, what a cool way to start bringing kids together and not only finding um, you know, their commonalities on paper or we all play trombone and we all play banjo, but also um, wow, we all have this shared heritage and I also share heritage with this person. And now I get to teach my classmates about my culture through music. It's so beautiful. And, um, I'm super inspired by that as like, a uh, first day of school, I can imagine spending all of September and October on that work. You could get really deep years, I would think. So um, this is from the perspective of a teacher who's like, okay, I think I wanna try this out, but what Ben and Joe are talking about are um, like, you pick a folk song that, that uh, could have some parallels to this student's situation. What if you are a person who teaches band or orchestra or choir and you're like, I don't really have that much knowledge of music in that type, in that area where I could just as easily find a folk song. Where do you, like, where do teachers go if they have questions or need ideas? You look, at, you, you look in your community and you find musicians like us. You have to build out the tent 
because music is not a, only an academic discipline. You have to, you have to say, okay, who are the and it, not necessarily just musicians. It's tradition bearers. There may yeah. be a basket weaver who who is who is connected to the heritage of a bunch of the students in your in your school, right? It could, they could have they could have some far flung craft, but that you can make that connection, and that's really vital to to yeah. show kids that. The, the music, like Ben was speaking to earlier, it connects to dance, it connects to food, it connects to all these other like elements of craft. Right. The I other mean, answer, I... the other answer to that though is is that like, there. What are what else are you doing? You know. Yeah. <laughs> right now, like you, you any if there's a music teacher out there that doesn't know about the music, like spend an hour on Facebook. There's probably a Netflix special on something that you haven't seen yet. Yeah. Like all it really takes is um, is a little bit of curiosity. And it's the same type of curiosity that we're trying to inspire. Fine, and PS, I find all of the tech issues to be very charming. I don't know where Joe is, but he's exactly. somewhere in exactly. Oregon, I think. Uh, at like, he's at like a coffee shop so he can have Wi-Fi. We've got Ben out in Port Townsend in like a cabin somewhere. Um, Beth and I, per usual, I'm in Cozy Town. This is my recliner couch. And Beth is at her dining table. But I personally think that the tech delays are hilarious and charming. And a good reminder that like, we're not next to each other right now and that's okay. And I heard most of what Ben said and sparking curiosity in students is like our first goal. It's not teaching scales. It's not making sure a kid knows a fingering for a friggin' F sharp. Why are there so many people talking about this right now? We need to be talking about how we can keep our students activated in music making, find a way to apply it to their lives, and be curious about who they are and the world around them. Hello! And this is such a genius idea. I love it. And, um, and yes, like if we're, not, if we're not sparking curiosity in our students, we're failing. It's really as simple as that. I think, you know, I, I have um, loose plans uh, for when we start of meeting. That's how we do. Yeah, yeah, that's how we work. Meeting with my students one-on-one -on -one or in small groups and um, basically um, figuring out a mechanism for each student to identify what rabbit hole they want to jump down um, because that's going to be something that they dig into musically for an unspecified amount of time at this point. It'll be specified at, specified at some point. But, um, you know, find your personal rabbit hole. We all have this rabbit hole of music we could jump down um, if given the opportunity to let hours slip away. Nerd out on something. Yeah. Yeah, nerd out on something and let me as a trained educator, facilitator, finder of information, maker of connections, let me help you make progress on learning about that rabbit hole you've decided to jump down and um, learn and absorb and find directions you want to go and make connections, you know? Yeah. I think that's brilliant yeah. um, because it, it empowers the student to do what they want to do, but then it, but it necessarily, um, uh, because all rabbit holes connect to another rabbit hole. Right. Um, and so, you know, if you can inspire them to go down one hole, they will eventually go down a bunch of different ones. Yeah. And, uh, and I, I think that's great. I think that's great. You know, I remember in, um, my senior year of high school, we were asked to write a reflective essay. For, I think it was for language arts about uh, what we were looking forward to the next year. And I was going off to the UW, I mean, just down the street, not really <laughs> off to, um, to start my music ed career. And I wrote in this essay, like, 
I just can't wait to be allowed to learn what I want to learn. Mm -hmm. And it's so hilarious to think that I thought in college I would be allowed to learn what I wanted to learn. <laughs> like I was forced into like every other music teacher, two years of piano and mm -hmm. um, all the Western music theory and history and all of that. But, but what I did was take a lot of night ethnomusicology classes at night and I added a women's studies major because that was really interesting to me. So even though in college you're still forced to learn things, I, which I didn't quite understand as a senior in high school, um, you still are allowed these opportunities for rabbit holes, but they're very seldom allowed before college. And what a cool time to think about, um, especially for high school teachers, yeah. Um, where kids are a little more self-sufficient and directed to be able to dig into um, their heritage and really doing a deep dive. I think it's super cool. Anyways. Well, well the, the, the only thing I wanted to just uh, add to that was Please. that um, it's important to, to, to give kids freedom to study what they want to study and give anybody freedom to study what they want to study. But it's also, you know, as well as curiosity, it's also really important to instill discipline. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I, 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 you know, I still think it's important to study scales. I still think it's as, as I know you guys do too. I, I, but, but I, I, I don't want to like get so far away from like a like methodology that doesn't, that doesn't train discipline, especially now when like everything is so instant gratification. <laughs> yeah. um, people forget that it, it takes it takes practice and practicing practice to right. like to get good at something and so like if you want to get good at your curiosity you have to you have to craft it and i think that's yeah. like a that's a that's a that's an age-old lesson that right. i think sometimes gets buried in the like individuality of like doing what i want to do and like you need you need to have both because you want right. to be able to do something that drives your passion but you also need to be able yeah. to learn how to, especially when we're talking about music, you need to learn how to be able to do something that helps the team. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and that's important. Well, that's a real slam dunk message to yes. sort of send us off on is this idea of... Um, <laughs> now the joke's back. <laughs> you got to do both. Yeah. I think yeah. we skew too far in both directions. A little right. too far in the let's just do what you want to do. And then you never right. really know how to actually play your instrument or like play music with other people. Or we skew too far in the, it's all about the technique. And I want to find that middle place yeah. where we do both because that's how people are going to make music um, for the rest of their lives. Which and in the future. What I want as a music teacher. I'm not trying to create a bunch of professional musicians. I'm trying to create people who want or mold students who want to engage with music in some way for the rest of their lives. So anyway, what we're going to do now, it's only our second time doing this, so it's a little bit clunky, but we have some teachers who are joining us for a special teacher talk. So we're going to go off of Facebook Live. Thank you, everyone who watched the show. And um, I hope you find that found the technical difficulties as charming as I did. <laughs> and um, and um, we're going to let into the Zoom chat now um, any music teachers who RSVP'd that they wanted to join us today. And so um, anyway, Ben Hunter. Joe Siemens, don't sign out, but Facebook, say goodbye Woo! to them. They're the best. Thanks for tuning in, folks. <laughs> we love them. And let's see if I can gracefully stop the live stream without stopping the call. A million thanks to our listeners, followers, and subscribers. The support we receive monetarily and otherwise helps us to be able to spend time creating a quality product and it allows us to tap into partnerships and resources to which we wouldn't normally have access. 
We are stoked about the journey of learning we have ahead of us, and we are delighted you've decided to join.